Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Blue Mountain Village Voices. I'm your host, Andrew Sigwart, and I'm pleased to introduce you today to our first guest of 2022, Helen Dutrois, Executive and Artistic Director of the brand new Blue Mountain Film Festival. As Artistic Director of the Palm Springs International Film Festival for more than a decade, Helen's leadership was instrumental in building a committed and loyal audience. In fact, Palm Springs ranked as the third best attended festival in all of the United States. Equally passionate about story and talent development, Helen produced multiple editions of the Toronto International Film Festival's Talent Lab and served as a creative director of Vancouver International Film Festival's Film and TV Forum. Helen and I sat down to talk about the upcoming Blue Mountain Film Festival, why the medium of film is so important now more than ever, and we talked about the economic benefits of film festivals and the film industry here in Ontario and especially in the South Georgia Bay region. I hope you enjoy this great conversation. Well, hello, Helen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, you are our first podcast guest of 2022, and we're quite excited to have you. So I'm just going to jump right into it. I wonder if you could start by telling us a bit about your connection to the Blue Mountain Village community. So I have very close friends who are filmmakers who, during COVID, moved up to this area. They moved to Thornbury. And even though I had lived in California for the winter for the previous sort of 14 years, I came up to visit them a lot and fell in love with winter again, and then also with the Blue Mountain region. And when the summer opened up, that was it. I was hooked. How did you get your start in the film industry? So after I graduated from university, I moved to Europe for four years. And I worked in the arts and also as an interpreter for a short time and teaching English. And then I realized that what I really wanted to do was work in the arts in Canada. So I came back and I went to the Banff Center for Management and specifically in arts management training. And I applied to a bunch of festivals. And after doing a comedy festival, I ended up doing the Vancouver Film Festival. And one festival led to an invitation to work at another one. And then I worked in Palm Springs and in Seattle and in Edinburgh and Scotland and in Toronto and just started on a circuit. So I, I sort of fell into it and then realized that I was deeply happy there. Amazing. Yeah, I took a course there a number of years ago at the BAMP Center, and I really loved it. It was one of my most meaningful learning experiences ever, to be honest. It's a great backdrop for learning. We did courses in places like the hotel kitchens, a local gallery, outdoor across BAMP. It was just such an immersive experience, both in nature and in tourism. And I think that experience may have led me to fall in love with this region when I started looking at the opportunity for this role. It was such a formative experience in a similar community. And do you know why that was? I think it was because we were in the mountains. Because honestly, when I went to the Banff Center, I was just like, you walk out your door and there's a moose and there's mountains and there's a river. It's just so glorious. 
You served as artistic director of the Palm Springs International Film Festival for more than a decade. That's pretty impressive. I'm wondering if you could share with us a bit about that film festival's history and its significance. So Palm Springs was launched in 1990 by Sonny Bono of Sonny and Cher fame. And he was the, the mayor of Palm Springs at the time. And it, it came at a time of year in the calendar for the city of Palm Springs when tourist attendance was very low. So December, it was high. And then it picked up again in sort of February, March. And so he wanted to create an event that would be an attraction just to fill the hotels in the town. And so we launched the film festival and I went down in the early years there and worked there for three or four years and then started working for other festivals and couldn't continue. And then went back many years later, but it served exactly the purpose that he was setting it up for. It was slow to start and it took a few years, but it's now the biggest tourism driver in Palm Springs. Wow. So a great example of investing in arts and culture and what that can do for a community. So I guess by talking to you today, one could say that I'm one step closer to share. If we have time later on, I'll tell you a hilarious story about Sonny Bono and Cher. <laughs> okay, I'm looking forward to that. Shifting gears a little, before we talk about the brand new Blue Mountain Film Festival, there's been so much change in the media landscape, and yet film really is a special medium that endures. Why do you think that is? There's kind of a romance to cinema in a way, and also a magic to it. I think it's one of those things, it's difficult for people to really articulate why they love cinema. And I think it's because it happens on a subliminal level. Film in many ways is like the dreamscape. You're, it's not like other art forms where you go to a gallery and you're in a room that's well lit. Your senses are, you're sort of deprived and then immersed in a set of senses that's created for you. One of which is visual and the other, which is equally important, is sound. And I think Somehow what happens is it transports you as a viewer to a completely different way of experiencing something. I mean, this does happen in things like opera as well, but there's something about the shared cinema experience, which is dreamscape. Somebody else's vision is so complete and complex in front of you, you kind of lose yourself into it. It also has a very strong emotional tug because the narrative in cinema draws you in such that you feel like you identify with one of the characters. And so you sort of experience their world. So it's an empathy making machine. Wow, that's a very interesting way of looking at it. We certainly need all the empathy we can muster up right now, don't we? What's your sense of how that experience is changing and evolving with some of the changing distribution and production models? A lot of us are experiencing films in our homes right now. We're devouring TV and streaming series. So many different ways of exploring content. So how does film and that in-theater experience kind of stack up against today's media landscape and our kind of current point in time? It's interesting. The death of cinema has been predicted ever since I arrived in the film festival world. And I think that there have been some cases in which there's some validity to that. But it's not really the death of cinema. It's just that we're shifting how we exist in the entertainment landscape. So what I have experienced at film festivals over the years is that the festivals continue to grow over time. And that's because people are craving a shared audience experience. At the moment during COVID, it's a very difficult time for us to predict what's going to happen because this is where we're certainly hoping this is a very temporary thing, that COVID is a temporary thing. But even if COVID continues, people will still be craving a shared experience. 
There's a dynamic that goes on in film festivals that's different than regular cinema going experiences because it's a dialogue between the audience and the creators of films. And that's very special. It's like, you know, taking the magic curtain with with Dorothy, sort of looking behind the curtain. Who's like, what's going on here? Who's, Who's the creator? And once you get that, it's very addictive because it both unravels the magic and enhances the magic of cinema. For sure, for sure. And you know, like you talked about film as being that immersive experience where you can empathize with characters, you sort of feel like you're right there beside them. I feel like when you participate in film festivals and those enhanced experiences like audience Q&A, meeting the director, the actors, hearing more about the behind the scenes, it forges an even deeper connection and it does take it to a whole new level. Sure, sure. Okay, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the Blue Mountain Film Festival coming up June 1st to the 5th, 2022. So stand by. Welcome back. Let's keep the conversation going. Helen, you've had a lot of experience in bringing new film festivals to life in communities and helping them to grow. From your perspective, what's the inspiration for Blue Mountain Film Festival? And where does it fit within the international calendar of festivals? So I'm going to start with the second question first. We fit into a time right after the Cannes Film Festival and the Banff Film Festival in Canada. Those are the two sort of major events that we're looking to frame ourselves by. But most of the festivals in Canada start with TIFF and go at the Toronto International Film Festival and then go through the fall. We're sort of counter-programming that, which gives us some advantages and some disadvantages from a programming standpoint. The inspiration for the festival is that I have been traveling to film festivals around the world for nearly 30 years, and I've experienced a lot of different festivals. And I've often thought to myself, wouldn't it be great to create a festival that takes kind of the best of everything that I've seen in different places? And when I came to Blue Mountains for the first time and saw the landscape and the village sort of, you know, embraced by the the mountains down to the water, I just thought, what a location. And the fact that the Blue Mountain Resort has those spectacular facilities there just seemed like a no-brainer. Like how awesome would it be to get everybody together? And the idea is for total immersion between the audience and the filmmakers. And there's no better place that I can think of in Canada for that. Yes, I would agree with you. Obviously, I'm biased, but you know, Blue Mountain Village and our partners really deliver immersive experiences every day. So the destination and the team is a great launching pad for a program like this. And we're really excited to be working with you on it. Why do you think this June is the right time to launch a film festival here in Blue Mountain Village? I think there's something in this first year that is very particular that has to do with COVID. I think we have been so isolated for so long and we need an opportunity to get together and to celebrate and to have something outside of ourselves that makes us feel connected to the whole wide world. We may or may not be able to travel easily this year, but if we're not able to travel, if we go to something like the Blue Mountain Film Festival, the world will come to us. So June is, I think, exceptional timing because we're just coming out of winter. Things will open up. People will be out in the the fresh air. And we will have some outdoor events as well as indoor events. And yeah, I think it's primarily an opportunity to, to connect. Sure, sure. What I love about this experience is that it it ultimately supports the local community. We know that our community members are craving coming back together, obviously in a safe way. 
things like this build and strengthen our cultural community. And it's also an opportunity for us as a tourism destination to really show the world and our community uh, why we're so special. We have really brought together an incredible team of industry leaders who are serving as the advisory committee to help shape the Blue Mountain Film Festival. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the sort of star power behind this group. Who's helping you and what are they bringing to the table? Yeah, so the head of the advisory committee is, is a producer. His name is Dan Beckerman, and he has a company called Cynthia Films. The thing about Dan that is special is Dan is a hybrid between a successful producer who does commercial work as well as doing independent film. So he has spectacular taste on the indie film side, but he also does a lot of production work for major companies who come and shoot in Canada. And Dan is heading up this advisory committee. We also have Sud Sutherland, who is a Toronto-based filmmaker. He happens to have been involved with the Black Museum that's just down the road from me on, on Clark Street in Clarksburg. He's about to release a four-part series on History Channel as well. He's a great filmmaker. We've got Jennifer Freeze, who used to be the head of sponsorship at the Toronto International Film Festival. And she's advising us on sponsorship as well and working very closely with the awesome Marnie Moreau, who's also on our board. Alison Black is a local producer who has done a number of feature films and is a celebrated producer. Drew Fagan used to be the deputy head of the Ministry of Culture in Ontario, and he's helping advise us on the government side of things, as well as connecting with the community locally, and he's based in Collingwood. Tamara Podemski is also up in the area in Midland, and she is a, a filmmaker and an actress, First Nations actress. Tara Woodbury, who is the head of content for Netflix Canada series, is on the committee as well. And she's, with, well, everybody knows who Netflix is now because they are servicing many of our households. And um, John Rakich is from the Directors Guild of Canada. He's on the board there. He is also a location manager and is helping us strategize in terms of attracting productions to the, the region. So that's our advisory committee. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. This film festival is part of an industry learning event and part film goer event. What can you highlight about that for us? Is that unique? Absolutely. And they're, they're all helping us reach out to the community and, and making suggestions for content for our creative form. There's a lot that they're doing for us. So, I bet a lot of people would be surprised that even though there's a huge film industry and a, quite a hub here in Ontario, that those kinds of opportunities aren't as frequent as you think to our homegrown talent. Am I correct in that assumption? Sure. So we're on the feature film side, the film festival side, it's 25 films or film programs. So we might have a couple of those programs being shorts, a combination of shorts. And the focus is the best of international cinema. And then in addition, we'll have a, about 20% of the programming will be Canadian cinema. So it's a great way to get a sense of what's happening in our own country, as well as seeing the best of what's happening around the world. And then on the creative forum side, we've got a three-day intensive forum that is primarily focused on the creative side of filmmaking so that filmmakers attending can up their game, working with lots of the top industry professionals as speakers and 
the idea behind the forum is that, you know, it's funny, I was just talking to a Canadian distributor from Elevation Pictures, who we were talking about the BAP Festival and, and how one of the things that they do that's so great is they set up the 6am canoeing tour. And you get a canoe with somebody else from the industry who you may know of, but you haven't spent any time with them. And you do a one hour paddle down this gorgeous river in the most breathtaking landscape at six o'clock in the morning. And then you go off and you start your day. And he said, for him, it was one of the, the highlights of going to the MAV TV Festival because it meant that that way they were totally immersed and it was very intense. And it's like that, you know, we'll always have Paris, we'll always have Blue Mountains, we'll always have Banff. Is that little bonding moment. It's the secret sort of, it's the glue that binds people when they go out to conferences or events. It's the, those little extras that really make it magical. And the Blue Mountain serves up endless opportunities for us to do things like that. It's about our local film industry as much as it is about our local tourism destination and the engagement that the film goer will have, which I love. You are exactly correct. For instance, when you go to something like the Toronto Film Festival, which is a spectacular world-class event, as a Canadian filmmaker, if you're attending, you don't have time to hang with the Canadians because really what you want to desperately do is connect with the international sales agents. So you're, everybody else is at the festival is too, not just the Canadians. So the competition is fierce for them. Whereas up here, if there is an international sales agent here, chances are you're going to end up on a hike with them, do yoga with them, sit beside them at a screening, listen to them speak at a conference and afterwards go up and have a coffee with them. It's all about access. Okay, I know it's early and you can't reveal the films that are going to be screened yet, but I'm wondering if you could just maybe give us a flavor of the screenings. Are there any themes that are emerging at this point? Is there anything at all that you can tell us? Well, it's interesting. There are themes that are emerging in the creative forum. We have an announcement coming up in a week or so, so I, I feel like if I tell you now, then I preempt that. Can you give me a little bit of a clue? I can. I can give you a clue. Think about what we're going through right now and what the kind of the top series are and how it makes you think of the world. Like what is our current place in the world? That's your tip. On the film side, I like there's, you know, it, it, programming is something that it takes about two to three months and we're, we're in the early phases of the programming. But I will say this on the film programming side, my background is really about the best of international cinema. And one of the programs that I set up at the Palm Springs Film Festival was the foreign language Oscars section. It's now called the international feature film section at the Oscars. So what that means is it's kind of like the Olympics of film. So, you know, athletes come from all over the world. Each country sends their best film to the Oscars. And so to do is I'm going to curate a program. I'm hoping that we will have 10 films that are the best of the shortlist. So about 80 films are submitted every year now, but we will curate that down to 10 films that will be included in the festival so that people can go and see what's the best cinema around the world from 10 countries. We certainly plan on, on covering every major continent so that you can really sort of feel like you've traveled. I mean, that's the key thing is like, how do we make people feel connected to people on the other side of the planet? Through stories where you go deep instead of like the news bullet line, you know, what's happening in the Ukraine, what's happening in Afghanistan. It's like, no, you can go there and experience something with a family there. And then you come back and you have a much deeper understanding and a, a sort of connection to them. So next time you see the news, it's much more personal to you somehow after you've seen a film from that country. 
One of the things that the village is known for are great terraces, great outdoor dining, great shopping experiences, venues for parties, active outdoor experiences. And we're going to have a lot of that throughout this festival. And I think there's going to be a lot of people watching opportunities, no matter where you are in the village during the film festival. But Helen, I want to know, are the stars going to be here? Well, we certainly will be inviting the stars. It's a matter of a few things. It's a matter of access and budget and also COVID. I mean, during COVID, fewer people are traveling. So that will be sort of a separate thing. And then also there's advanced time getting into their schedule. So we need to sort of know two to three months in advance. Like that's when the invitation goes out and we'll find out. But certainly in terms of bringing up a number of stars, we hope to. And we will be bringing some Canadian talent for sure. Absolutely, there will be Canadian talent here, recognizable talent that people know and will get a chance to interact with. I can't wait. Well, stay tuned as the announcements come, and I'm sure those will give us a flavor of who we might see at the festival. Let's pause for another break, and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back with Helen Dutrois talking about our Blue Mountain Film Festival. You know, Helen, the team here at Blue Mountain Village Association, we're really excited to present this festival with our partners, Blue Mountain Resort all of our independent businesses in the village who support this festival, as well as many who are supporting us across the community. With your experience in festivals like Palm Springs, what's the economic impact and the potential of a festival like this on a community such as ours? Well, in Palm Springs, certainly it became one of the biggest economic drivers. In fact, the mayor of Palm Springs told me that he would go to a mayor's conference for towns that are under 50,000 population. And at those conferences, there's a competition where each of the towns showed a reel of kind of what's happening in the town. And he said Palm Springs won every year because the film festival clips that they included in that blew everybody else out of the water. So I think that's what happens is there's so much buzz around film festivals. And then, of course, there's, you know, some stars that come out as well. So it gives this great kind of sense of excitement both to the community and to the media. So that really helps position a festival and drives tourism. So and as soon as you have tourism, you know, it's not just the hotels and the, the restaurants. It's everything else that goes on. There's such a huge trickle-down effect to all of the businesses in the area. And then there's repeat business. When they're happy once, they come back again and again. In Palm Springs, 70% of the audience came in from outside of the region, and they were all spending a lot of money while they were there. So it was the biggest tourism driver in the city. You know, in addition to all those numbers, I also think for people who live in communities like ours, oftentimes it can be a challenge to coexist with tourism. And I think one of the things that an event like this does is that it's also a cultural experience for the local community. And I know that in the town of Blue Mountains, we have strong arts and culture background, you know, anchored by the village. But we also have amazing theater, local galleries, tremendous local artists. But I really do see this program as a potential to give back to our local community and to give them another world-class cultural experience that, frankly, I think they deserve. I agree. Yeah. It's, and it's also it's a two-way street between outsiders coming in and enjoying it and then spreading the word about the town. And also the insiders getting a sense of what's happening elsewhere. So it's a win-win. Why is spotlighting Ontario production important for us? And what is the scope of the economic impact of Ontario's film business? It's an immense industry. $2.2 is the estimated value of the Ontario film industry. And that's a combination of both service and domestic production. So really exciting to be able to kind of tap into that market. 
we are hopeful that the filmmakers who will be attending the Creative Forum and presenting their own films here will think kindly upon the reach and fall in love with it and just come back and make their films. That's a significant part of the festival, the motivation for the festival. But the other thing is civic pride. There are a number of productions with groups that have stayed at Blue Mountain in, in the village and at the resort who may come back again and shoot here. But also this will offer an opportunity for local audiences to see things that were shot here. That's the idea is building a relationship with that community so that they think of Blue Mountain as both a location and as a place for this festival to share their projects with the audiences. Wonderful, wonderful. I love that. What has been your experience and response from the community so far? It's been really great, actually. I've been so pleasantly surprised. I'm getting emails from people I don't know, sort of friends of friends saying, hey, you know, what can I do? And people sort of saying, let me, I'd like to volunteer. Is there anything that I can do? And, you know, people saying that they'd like to contribute. So that's actually been such a wonderful boost. I don't know if that happens in bigger communities. But I have to say that in both Blue Mountains and in South Georgian Bay in general, everywhere I go, I'm, you know, when the film festival comes up, people seem very enthusiastic about it. Yeah, definitely. One of the secrets of our success in the Blue Mountain Village and region, I believe, is the closeness of the community, our willingness to reach out and work together and to collaborate. Okay, Helen, as we start to wrap up, I'm going to ask you one final question. What is your favorite movie of all time and why? Huh. There are so many films that I love, and I would say that it kind of depends what mood I'm in. It shifts all the time. Like, the film really that in many ways made me decide that I had to work in film festivals and, and work as an independent producer is, is Krzysztof Kozlowski's Decalogue. It's 10 separate films that it serves as a kind of bookend. And it was incredibly inspiring to me. However, if there's one film that I have to name, it's a Japanese film called Afterlife by Koreeda. And the reason I love this film so much is because of the way it made me stop and question my entire life. In a nutshell, the film is about a group of people who die and they go to a kind of waiting station before they're actually living out their full afterlife. And they meet with a therapist who says to them, you know, what's going on? We're going to create a film about your life. And so we have to pick the most important moment in your life so far. But it takes all of them a long time to discover what was the most important moment. And at the end of the film, they all sit in a cinema together and they watch the short film. And when their short film comes up of their moment, they disappear into their afterlife. It makes you wonder, like, what is the most important thing that's happened to me or that I've contributed or the most connection, more important connection? So you end up reviewing your entire life. How many films make you do that? And when I left the screening, I was cycling home. And I was on my bike and I burst into tears and I thought, oh my God, I don't have a moment. I was completely overwrought, searching and searching. And then finally, one day, like I woke up and there was my moment and I, I knew it. And I realized I'd had not just one important moment, but many. It makes you focus on what's important in life. And it also makes you realize that you have to kind of be open to and proactive in seeking great moments that will resonate for a long time. Wow. What a spot on description of some of the things that we're all looking for right now. And I believe that this film festival and film in general has the potential to help us all really discover our purpose. 
I really look forward to sharing that with you and with all the folks who will join us this June. Helen, thank you so much for your time, for all the work that you've put into this with the team here at BMBA and all of our partners. Excitement is building. I could not be more proud to work with you and the team on this experience. Where can our listeners find everything they need to know about the Blue Mountain Film Festival? Online at bluemtnfilmfest.ca is our website, and you can click on the button for information, and we'll have a volunteer button up there shortly. And a donation button if you want to support us. And we would very gratefully receive your donation. Andrew, I also wanted to say that you have such a spectacular group at the Blue Mountain Village Association. It has been such a treat to work with your team there, with Patty and with Karen and Carrie and and yourself. It's just been fantastic. Uh, Just a wonderful community in general. And we're all super excited to work with you and also with Blue Mountain Resort team. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, they're really amazing. It's such a pleasure and a privilege to work with everyone every day. Well, Helen, I look forward to the upcoming announcements, more excitement building, and to seeing you on the red carpet with our very best threads on, no doubt. I better get out of my sweatpants. (laughs) You know, I think there's some pretty serious fashion brands taking sweats from the rec room to the red carpet, so who knows? I'm putting the challenge out there, everyone. Right. Thank you again, Helen, for your time, and I hope our listeners enjoyed this conversation today. Thanks for listening to Blue Mountain Village Voices, a production of the Blue Mountain Village Association. For more, go to bluemountainvillage.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.